Hello, everybody. Welcome to Live True. My name is Drea Dalzell, and this is my podcast where I talk about being a wife, a mother, and an overall human being. Welcome back, everybody. Um, happy to have you join me. Um, there has been something that has been on my heart, and it has really just come rearing its ugly head here um, in the last few days um, because I've made some lifestyle changes. And I wanted to share it with you. Um, as you all know, if you've listened to any of my previous podcasts, I am a recovering alcoholic. I have been um, sober for 11 and a half years. God willing, I'll be celebrating 12 years um, in July. And something about being a sober woman for as long as I have, getting sober at such a young age, and having the personality type that I do, which is a complete perfectionist in so many ways, um, the moment that I made a decision to stop drinking, the option immediately became unavailable to me to pick up a drink. And what I mean by that is, it, it, it's not that I'm a happy drunk and once I decided to quit that everything got easy. What I mean is I turn into a dry drunk in many other ways. So when my disease is activated, I may not have that initial thought of I'm going to get drunk. I'm going to go drink. I need this. You know, what I do instead um, and my kind of replacement drug has been to turn to food. Um, I turn to food and comfort myself when I have feelings of stress loneliness, abandonment, you name it. Um, that has been my go-to. I have a previous episode where I talk about our addiction to food and our ideas around food. But why this is so important is because you don't have to be an alcoholic to have the same triggers around food or something else, spending, gambling, and, and not just things that are addictive, but something that you can do compulsively. Um, and for me, like I said, it just so happens that the second I stopped drinking, I started eating things that um, normally I wouldn't do at the pace that I do. So um, I will say that in the last year, my stress increased drastically. I was in a job that was so stressful um, that I was checking my blood pressure at my desk. Um, it got to a point where I was working around the clock um, and my expectations of myself were just unrealistic. And not to mention, it was bringing my home life um, into shambles. My husband could tell he was getting frustrated and angry. But most importantly, my kids were feeling the effects of my stress. And my youngest was having chronic diarrhea this summer. Um, she was two and a half at the time and had been potty trained for about a year. Um, and it got so bad and for so long and so frequent that she was back in diapers. We took her down to the children's hospital, had a colonoscopy, an endoscopy. We tried removing gluten. We tried removing fructose. We tried removing dairy. Nothing was working. And um, eventually, after about six to seven weeks, her symptoms cleared. Um, but then we had another bout of it, um, I'd say about two, three months ago. And it was in the second bout that I finally started to really understand that there was a very, very large possibility that her bouts were stress-related um, because I, one day I just, I, I was watching her and I was disciplining her and my voice raised and immediately 
I watched her entire body contract. Her head went down, her eyes went down, her shoulders hunched, and she just curled up into this tight ball. And it was in that moment that I thought to myself, is this why she's feeling the way she is? Is she so sensitive to her environment that my stress, this household stress, is causing her body to react in a way that is making her ill? Um, so I had the conversation with my husband and we started being really mindful about how we talk to her, the tone that we use, cause she's just my sensitive baby. Well, actually they both are, but my youngest is a one that's sensitive in a way that, um, you can see it. I mean, not only does she, you know, start crying or whatever, but it's that moment where immediately after she has a moment to stop crying or cowering, she wants a hug. She wants that physical affection. She yearns for it. Um, and not to say that my oldest wasn't being affected by it either, because she is one that can't take loud volume, kind of like, she's like my mini me. She can't take loud volume when you raise your voice, when you yell, um, when they're screaming or crying, it's, it's, she's, she's just over, over sensitive to those, um, environmental things. And, um, so I was taking all this into consideration. My husband and I started watching how we were talking around her, how we were behaving around her and how we were disciplining her. And immediately it cleared up immediately. And so during this time I was evaluating my stress and I had made a decision, um, to take a, um, a bit of leave from work. I ended up going on FMLA for mental health reasons and um, took two weeks. And it was in that time that I realized immediately, I think it was the next morning when I woke up and I didn't have to go down to my desk and start working, that there was something wrong. Um, And I loved the people that I worked with. I actually truly enjoyed what I did, but the environment had become so toxic um, and so detrimental to my health and to my family's health that um, I made a decision to leave. Um, and I found another job very, very quickly. And I have now been in that new role, um, for goodness, uh, two months and my entire mood has shifted. My stress levels have shifted and my daughter has been healthy. Um, actually we took a trip to Arizona to see my family for Christmas. And that very next moment morning, um, after we were, um, going through the airport and flying because it was just a long day of traveling, traveling with little people. Oh my goodness. So difficult. Um, but the next morning Aria woke up and she had diarrhea and I kind of giggled because I'm like, of course she'd have diarrhea. That was the most stressful day. She spent half of the plane ride crying, um, and trying to move around and feeling restricted and just not handling it. Well, of course she has diarrhea. So again, I told my husband, I was like, Hey, let's be extra mindful around her and let's just make sure she's comfortable and she's not stressed out. And that was it. So, you know, on the way home, we were able to manage, actually slept on the way home, thank God, because I think that saved us from having another incident. Um, But she has been my barometer um, for how I'm handling stress. And something I was noticing is I've been working out consistently for the last year and a half. um, And I do an at-home program and um, I have accountability groups and I have been stuck in this place where no matter how much I work out, no matter, you know, how consistent I am with my physical activity, I wasn't 
losing the unnecessary weight that I wanted to. And I am not, I will tell you this, I'm not somebody who weighs myself every day. I really don't care what the number on the scale says, but I knew, I knew that I wasn't feeling my best self. Um, and I, and, and when I took a, an even deeper examination, what was happening was my food choices and more importantly was the unnecessary snacking late at night. And it wasn't because I wanted a snack because I'm okay with that. If I want to have a bowl of ice cream at night while I'm watching a favorite show, cool. But if I'm doing it because that is my way of comforting myself and suppressing what I'm feeling um, on the inside, that becomes a very alcoholic trait, um, a very bad habit that leads me to so many other side effects such as moody, moodiness, irritability, complete discontent. If you want to look those things up in that order, you're going to come up with probably a line from the book um, of Alcoholics Anonymous because um, irritable um, and discontent is probably the number one pe- reason why most alcoholics say that they picked up a drink. Um, and that's where I was sitting. I was stuffing things and then I was stuffing it even deeper down with food. Um, and I'm very blessed, you know, I do work out. So it's not like I was gaining ridiculous amounts of weight, but I didn't, I knew what I was doing didn't make me feel good. Um, so I, I started to examine my life. I was like, okay, I have this new job that is going fantastic. The stress level is virtually non-existent compared to what I'm used to. Um, financially, um, is a lifesaver, um, because we're actually able to have excess, excess, you know, which I wasn't used to before. I finally felt that the amount of work I was putting in actually matched the pay that I was receiving. And that's probably the first time in my life that those two things were in line. So I started looking at the next big thing that was stressing me out and it was financial. You know, my husband and I went from a place where there was a point where he was in school full time and we had an infant and we dropped most of his income for that. So we got ourselves into a bit of debt and trying to claw our way out of that when you're not making enough to put towards those bills, just piles and piles. And um, when you look at that figuratively, for me, what that meant was more stress and more stress and more stress. But I was, it was masked by this previous job that I wasn't giving the attention it needed. So um, about two, three weeks ago, I started really putting together a financial plan for my husband and I and for a household. And I, I've been taking it very serious. I've been staying home. I've been making different decisions instead of going to Target and, and buying things because I pass by them that I need. I've been ordering online only the things that are on my list. Um, instead of going somewhere because I'm bored, it's finding a different activity um, to do with the kids at home or working out or reading a book. Um, and it's not depriving myself from being able to go out to eat or to buy myself a new book, but it's not doing it just because of the boredom or the need to get out of whatever I'm feeling in that moment. So I started putting together this really strong financial plan. And as I was doing that, I could literally feel it coming out of my body as I'm doing something that has been weighing so heavily on my shoulders. I can feel that weight being lifted because that's where my confidence comes from as a human being is doing things that are good for me. And I know deep down in my gut align with, um, 
me ethically, morally, um, and it's me living true to myself. I mean, that's my gig, right? I live true. That is the only way I'm a sober person. That is the only way that I'm able to have these conversations and admit things about myself and about my choices is by being my best authentic self. And as I dug into this financial plan of mine, I felt renewed. It was like comparing walking into an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting early in my sobriety because I felt like I was digging out shit that had been just piling up and causing me to feel physically, mentally, emotionally weighed down. And almost instantly, my cravings for these foods that were not providing any sort of nourishment to my body were depleted. And I found that I was able to not listen to that craving because this is how much of an alcoholic I am. Okay. And how much of an addict is because I don't look forward to some people like, Oh God, I can't wait to get those kids in bed so I can sit down, relax and have a glass of wine or open up a nice cold beer with dinner. So I can re because until that moment happens, I can't relax. Right. Well, in my head, it was like, God, I can't wait to get these kids in bed so I can sit down, open up my book and have that bowl of ice cream. Right. And then after that ice cream, I needed something salty. So then I'm going to go back and grab the bag of chips. Okay. That's where I lived every single day. And then it would happen at lunchtime. I was like, oh, I ate a really healthy meal. And then now I'm going to go eat a half a bag of chips because I'm not hungry, but because that is where the comfort was coming from was stuffing. So in the last couple of, you know, God, I would even say it's so new as to say the last week or so, I've noticed that as I've started to take more control of the, the things in my life that I have the ability to control, our finances, my stress level, my, um, my honing in my spending habits, you know, um, turning off the TV and choosing to read a book instead. God, you guys, I finished like four books in the last few months. It's since my kids, before my kids were born, I haven't been able to read books that fast, but I'm making time for it because it makes me feel good. So I'm trying to do things that are not simply tuning out, unplugging, disconnect, disconnect, disconnect. That has been where my focus has been because when I disconnect from my spouse, when I disconnect from my children, when I disconnect from something that fuels that fire deep within me, that is when the bad habits come in, that old way of thinking comes in, the easy, the comfortable, the known, um, and not necessarily healthy habits come to rear their ugly head and I fall back into those patterns that make me feel like a true alcoholic. And I will be honest with you, there are days where I do, I forget I'm an alcoholic. I forget that I've been in recovery because it's been such a long time. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous for me because what that does is it says, okay, I don't need to focus on this because I'm quote unquote healed. I'm quote unquote healthy. Um, and then I get down the road a few months and I'm miserable. I'm, I'm depressed. I'm anxious, you know, all of those old feelings. I'm, my anger is coming through. Um, and it, it turns me into this, you, the term dry drunk, where I'm just, I'm, I'm yelling at people. I'm miserable. I'm miserable to be around. I'm toxic, you know, and everything that I've worked so hard to not be. 
um, is what happens when I am not making intentional choices with my day-to-day activities, with my day-to-day thinking, with my habits. Today, I'm going to read you something. So I have this little calendar at my desk, and I, it's one of those flip calendars by day. Um, and I probably flip it once about every, I don't know, 17 days because I never remember. But today I read one um, for January 12th. And it says, lasting change does not happen overnight. Lasting change, goodness, I can't read. Lasting change happens in increments, a day, an hour, a minute, a heartbeat at a time. And why I want to talk about that is because, you know, as an AA, I think about the, the, you know, the key phrase of one step at a time. Okay. Sometimes it's not even one step at a time. That one heartbeat at a time sometimes is that split moment, the choice between screaming, yelling, throwing, punching, whatever have you, or taking a breath. And for somebody who suffers with anxiety, somebody who suffers with um, anger issues, you know, that could be the difference between traumatizing a child, saying something they can't take back in their marriage, and somebody who maybe is still angry, but can take a breath and walk away. Um, That's life changing right there. So if you're looking at a lifestyle change that you're wanting to make, but it seems unattainable because, oh God, I've, I've gained 30 pounds and I really, I don't know where to start, or I'm so miserable in my job and I don't know how to dig myself out of it, or I'm in such a financial debt and I'm in a crisis and I don't even know where to start, back up. Nothing's going to get fixed overnight. How long did it take us to get into these messes? How long did it take for us to let something build and build and build before we decided that we were going to get honest with ourselves and dig up the courage to look at that issue face on? Okay. For me, it was looking at, the, at some financial things. It was looking at my spending habits that I wanted to pretend I, I wasn't doing anything wrong. But you know, it, when it comes down to it, it's those small, stupid purchases. It's running into Target and grabbing three extra things. It's going to the grocery store and not having a plan. It's, you know, I don't do this anymore, but when I used to drive through and get a coffee every day, those are the types of things that that can make or break something. Those are, you know, within a year, those are large pieces of debt that are getting paid off. So when you're willing to get honest, when you're willing to do the hard work, when you're willing to get your hands dirty, that's when those changes can start to happen for you. And it starts with one moment at a time. It starts with sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to make the time to focus on this. I'm going to come up with a plan and I'm going to start making one, two, three big steps towards that daily, you know, whatever your goal is. But if you ask any successful person, how they they went from point A to point, you know, Z, whatever, it's going to be that they had a plan, they were consistent, and they were honest with themselves, and they held themselves accountable to that plan. And I will tell you, I am guilty, guilty as charged when it comes to somebody who starts with so much gusto in a project, or when I have a plan in place, and I, I start to piddle out at like, you know, five days, two weeks, whatever. Um, because it becomes hard. I'm a drunk. I want the easy way out. 
I want to numb. I want to pretend it's not there because I want to be able to go and sit on the couch and veg and not have to think about anything. But where does that get you? You know, the amount of effort that you're putting into changing and becoming a better you each and every day, um, it's going to be, you know, comparable to the amount of change you see in your life. So if I'm not willing to put in the effort, that's directly proportional to the to the change I'm going to see in my life. If I'm willing to save $5 a week versus $100 a week, those are two totally different scenarios. One can send you into paying off debt or get you a vacation by the end of the year. The other, um, you know, may pay off something here and there, but it's really not going to get you anywhere. So the amount of commitment that you're willing to make to yourself, to hold yourself accountable and be honest about where you truly are in that moment, that is where you're going to see that change happen. And for me, when I sat down and I said enough, it was, it gave me the same feeling I did when I said enough with the drinking, enough with being this person on a piece of paper that I am not in my heart. You know, I, I actually just posted something on social media the other day where it talked about never judging a person from where you met them. And the very first picture in the, in the slideshow was, um, my Arizona department of corrections, um, inmate search photo, which is a picture of me smiling, which people would probably confuse, like, why is she smiling? But if you know anything about the department of corrections in Arizona, when you're in a blue shirt, that means that you're being released. That's your release photo. So that's how they track who's active and who's inactive. If you're in your orange, you're, you're currently serving time. If you're blue, you're out of the system. And that picture is with me in my blue because I'm being released um, after I did my, my prison time for my DUIs. And, um, and I think there are people that I know being 11 and a half years sober that I meet and they see me as this one person, but it's like, we all have a story. We didn't all get here where we are today without that story, without those events that changed us forever. And being in prison, being a drunk, doing bad things and making bad decisions is a part of why I am the way I am. Um, To say you're proud of something, you know, eh, maybe not the right terminology, but I am proud that I've worked my ass off to become, uh, to not become a statistic and to be an exception because the statistics are that if I am a drunk and I am in prison, that statistically speaking, I'm going to end up back in on a violation. Um, I'm going to end up drinking, um, because that's what the numbers tell people. But I worked my ass off alongside with so many strong, sober alcoholics to this day that showed me how they kept doing it one day at a time, one moment at a time, one step at a time. And that foundation has taken me through every positive turn in my life, even the difficult ones. But I attribute so much of my, what I will relate to as success, meaning I'm sober, I have a happy home, I have a wonderful husband, I have two beautiful children, I have a great and improving relationship with my family members, and I have a community of friends and people that I trust and love and support me. That takes work. That takes work. 
And it didn't happen overnight. I wasn't just born this way. I was born a quiet, shy, lack of self-esteem. Um, I, that's where I, how I was born, you know, somebody who just wanted to slip away and be invisible and found that through drinking um, and drugs. So the, the person I am today took a lot of work. And my point is, is that if a drunk can do this, a drunk who has been to prison, a drunk who has been on house arrest and in county jail multiple times, if I can do this, so can you. So can you. Um, you know, people, when we go through grief, when we lose loved ones, when we um, are in a financial crisis, losing jobs, can we talk about this pandemic and how exhausting it is and how we are so tired of living with restrictions, no restrictions, vaccinations, no vaccinations. It's, it's, I don't have words because it is so overwhelming what it has done to us um, globally and to not um, acknowledge the side effects that this is having on us, not just, you know, with our health as far as, you know, COVID being what it is, but our mental health. And what the changes in our society have done to us, all the people that lost jobs or had to go from working in the workplace to working remotely, that takes a transition, you know, and being forced into it. For some people, it works. For me, I'm, I'm blessed that it works. Um, but for some, it doesn't. And just because it works for some, it doesn't mean that it's all, you know, unicorns and glitter. I, I know there are literally days where I do not leave my house. And in the wintertime in central Minnesota, let's just say these last two, three weeks have been significantly below zero. There's not much you're doing outside. So the fact that I do not leave my house, I work indoors, um, it's too cold to go outside and be active, that does something to, <laughs> to a person. Um, and I know most of you can relate to exactly what I'm talking about. Um, not having that, that sunlight, not having sunlight at all because it's overcast and gloomy and freezing. Um, so when I talk about making these choices, one heartbeat, one breath, one step at a time, that is where, you know, getting up and having a workout in the morning is so important. You know, think about that. Think about what getting up and say you don't use it to work out. Say you'll use it for some personal development, reading a book, um, sitting and meditating, um, maybe it's stretching, doing some yoga, some breath work. Um, maybe it's just sitting in quiet and having a cup of coffee before the rest of the world wakes up. But if you can dev um, devote that time to yourself before you report to work or report to duty as a mom or dad, or, you know, show up business as usual, if you can make that commitment to yourself, to allow yourself to show up for you before you show up for somebody else, think about the impact that can have on you the rest of your day. How many of us have rolled out of bed, bad mood, we're late, we don't want to be at work, and the first interaction we have, we are not giving the best version of ourselves. Rewind that back and think of what it would have been like had you gotten up an hour earlier, sat in silence, maybe got a workout in if that's your jam, um, maybe read some sort of a motivational book, um, you know, whatever it may be. Think of the difference between those two interactions and how that would set the tone for the rest of your day. So 
it really is about those hard choices. Getting out of bed when it's freezing and you don't want to, but knowing that it's what's going to fuel your soul. Those are the things that change your life. It's those small decisions that lead to small changes that lead to large changes that lead to a changed life. And that is how somebody goes from being an alcoholic in prison to being able to financially take care of herself and her family. Um, and I don't do it alone. I have a wonderful husband who is my teammate, but that's another part of it is having healthy relationships around you, knowing that I can go to my husband at my worst and that we're going to find a way to get through that. That takes work. Um, and it's not easy, but it is showing up and it is consistency. Um, and it is, that is what self love is. That is what self care is. Um, we hear that buzzword going along around these days, and I'm really, really getting tired of seeing that portrayed as a spa day or a day where you go shopping or a day where you get to veg on the couch and do nothing and the kids are at grandma's house. Don't get me wrong. Those days are fantastic, but that's not it. That's a small portion of what self-care looks like. Self-care is digging in, it's getting honest, it's getting real, and it's talking about the things that hurt, the things that you're embarrassed about, the things that you have shame about, because those are the things that you bring to others, whether you think you do or not. Those are the stories we make in our heads when a situation happens or something happens to us. And before we have a, a healthy conversation, we're making up a scenario of what happened when it's not real. And I speak that from very good experience because I am the worst at creating movies about something that didn't even happen. You know, my husband's sitting over there silent. He's angry. And then I go down the rabbit hole of why he's angry. And then before you know it, I'm angry. And really, he's sitting there thinking about going hunting, which 99.9% .9 of the time, that's exactly what's happening. Um, but in my head, he's mad at me and we're getting a divorce and that's it, <laughs> you know? So I have to be honest about those things. And sometimes he thinks I'm crazy because that's where I go. But it's like, hey that's how my brain works, you know, so I have to get honest about that. And if I didn't bring that to the light, and we didn't talk about that, I'd probably walk around for weeks angry, not talking, slamming cabinet doors like I know how to do. Um, and I do that. It's not to say that I don't. But when I finally realized like, hey, I haven't said this out loud. I feel this, you know, it makes me sad when this um, and taking ownership of what I'm feeling that um, everything starts to shift. So I think the best thing for me is really taking a step back. Sometimes I find myself, especially around the holidays, and now that we're coming off of that time, that's just busy and stressful and really hard, really hard. Um, it's time to take a step back and say, okay, it is a new year. And that does symbolize something. Um, that symbolizes a, a really big energetic shift for a lot of people to say, okay, how can I start off on a better foot this year? Um, and being realistic about that. I think for me, one of the number one things is rest. Um, I don't know how to slow down. I don't know how to stop. I don't know how to leave the chores until tomorrow. I don't know how to rest other than completely shutting down. 
Um, and, and that is really going to be my goal. My goal is going to be to really find some healthy ways to decompress um, this year um, so that I have the energy to do the things that fuel me. I have some really exciting thoughts for the next season of this podcast. Um, I have some amazing moms that I want to bring on that highlight different parts of being a mom, um, whether, you know, I don't want to speak too much into it, but there's so much that I want to bring to this audience um, because it's it's not just about my story. It's about your story too. And I want to start highlighting those. So um, stay tuned because it's exciting and I have so much, um, so much God, talent, if you will, so much energy, so much love in these women that I know and I want to share them with you. So with that, um, I am signing off for this first season. And when Live True returns, we will have some guest speakers um, and we will get to highlight some of your stories and how being um, an overall human being affects you. So thank you, everybody. Until next time.